Very excited for our conversation today because I feel like it's one of those ones where I feel like I will learn as much as our audience will in sort of the just new wider world of higher education as we're kind of seeking to get learner records and sort of like exploring this sort of world of how we look at sort of uh, credentials in just a different way. You know, there's just, I think, a lot more depth than just sort of a fancy piece of paper they get, you know, people get after four years, there's more that we can sort of explore around a variety of different things. So I'll certainly defer to our guest to tell us more about what his organization does. But Guillermo, if you want to introduce yourself quickly, give a brief background, and then we'll get on the rest of our Yeah, thank you very much, Dustin. I'm very happy to be here. Well, a little bit about me. I'm I'm Guillermo Lizondo. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Territorium. And as you said, our focus is helping people to move from education to work by building learner records. And very nice to meet you. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know Eric Stoller, who is a part of your team. I've interviewed him uh, many times in the past. So he helped make the intro here. So I'll give him a little uh, tip of the hat. But just for folks who aren't aware, uh, I know he was a recent addition to your team. And that was really exciting to see. And I think definitely drew my attention to what you all are doing. So if you want to, just for other folks who may not be aware, just briefly explain what Territorium does in sort of the higher ed ecosystem. Yeah, our focus as a company is helping, I will say, people to move from education to work and from work to education. Right now, mostly students from education into the workforce. The way we solve for that, the way we help them, is that instead of having a traditional transcript with courses, grades, and credit hours, we create, I would say, like a transcript 2.0 that is based on skills, in which we map data from multiple sources, from the student information system. Uh, we map data from their courses, their learning outcomes. We map data from their assessments, from internships, apprenticeships, other types of activities that students are doing. Um, and we map all that data and create a full profile of the student based on skills. It's verified. That's an important thing. So it comes from the educational institution. It's not like a student says, hey, I'm a great guy. It's the institution saying that about the student, the skills that they have. And in the other perspective, we believe on the things that we do, the most valuable thing is we're capturing very granular data around the skills that students are developing. So we created a full learning and employment ecosystem around that data in which we map those skills into job market requirements. And now we can tell the student like, hey, this is your probability towards getting a job. So we use AI, several algorithms. And based on that, we can now tell someone, hey, you're 80% there towards being, I don't know, a software developer in New York City earning 100K a year. This is your gap. We recommend you this learning pathways to improve your profile. We recommend you these possible jobs that you can apply. So at the end, we provide an app to students that look a lot like, like Fitbit uh, or those types of apps that are for health. The same way it tells you how much exercise you need to do, how many steps you need to, to do, et cetera. The same way we do for careers. And on the other side, we're providing educational institutions great amount of data on how their students are progressing towards getting the jobs that they want, analytics and understanding which students are at risk, how they can help them, how counselors can help them, and at the end, how they can improve their employability rates. So that's basically what we do as Territorium. Right now, we have 12 million users worldwide, and, and we're growing with this concept and helping educational institutions improve their employability rates by transforming their transcripts into these records. But most important thing, creating data analytics around all the records and around what students are doing towards getting into the workforce. All important stuff, you know, the sort of institutional and workforce uh, connections kind of flowing both ways, like you said. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of 
thinking of like this like formula of what you're saying of like the traditional transcript being this like highly verified, but almost kind of just like bureaucratic document that's existed for a long time and has value. And then you kind of have on the other side, like the resume where it is just like the student saying like, here's everything I did, but it's, you know, from my point of view and all that. And like, you're kind of getting the best of both of those worlds and then combining that little like dose of AI and, you know, high tech and everything to just really optimize the potential of sort of all that stuff that sort of now can kind of combine and work even better together and sort of, you know, be kind of evolving through through you and your team's work and everything. And I think it's really, really exciting to see because I think it's been sort of like simmering in so many different corners, the different sort of like, you know, well, skills are really important, how we capture and share those and just sort of like helping to articulate more clear pathways and everything. So I guess just from your perspective, what makes this work that you're doing? And it's obviously in like a global stage and scale as well. What makes this work so important right now in this moment for higher ed? That's a great question. So I think post pandemic, higher ed, it's having several challenges, you know, reduction and their enrollments, they're losing enrollments. Um, as students are questioning even more the return of investment in their education, how much going to a four-year or a two-year program will help them to get a job that will help them to pay the debt, right? That's also another part of what's this important. You know, we have all this student debt. The students are trying to find ways of getting the right jobs to pay it back. And on the other side, on the enrollment, they want to see the return of investment to going into debt and then going to this program, taking that time for them getting a job to pay that back. So in our perspective... That's those issues are making now more than ever that higher ed is starting to look how they make that connection into the workforce, how they start speak, speaking the language of the job market. Because on, on our perspective, the problem is, you know, there are several research that says that, you know, uh, the, on the side of employers, they'd say that students do not have the skills that are required and education providers say they have the skills. Our perspective is not that education providers are not teaching students the right way. Our perspective is really that they are not communicating the right way. And that com communication problem is we just see it in the transcript. You know, you got a degree, you got your transcript. It says that you're an A, a B, or a C in a certain course. No one understands that. Only universities when you do a transfer. And now, more than ever, higher ed is looking a way to communicate how their students are developing the skills required. And at the same time, communicate that back, not just to the job market, but also back to the student. Like telling, them, telling students, hey, you're progressing toward getting a job, earning this amount of money. These are your gaps. This is how we will help you fill these gaps. And, and really fulfill the purpose of why the student is going into college. Of course, there, there I, I would say maybe 95% of students go to college for getting a better job, right? Maybe 5% are really because they want, I don't know, to go into research or something different. But for the, almost the whole population or um, most of the population is how you show them the pathways into the job market. And at the same time, we're starting to see on the other side, on employers, that there is a big movement around employers to do skills hiring. And if employers are starting to look at this, I think it's important for educational institutions also to start working out how they will show that their students are having the skills that employers are looking for. So I think it's an amazing 
moment in which there is a lot of need to show this return of investment in education. The pandemic just accelerated that and higher ed uh, is, is going to start to solve those challenges to these types of records, to these types of communicating the data. And if we go further, if we start working on a skills-based approach in records and data, that will help also educational institutions to transform into a more, more flexible model, more flexible pathways in which students can have multiple on and off ramps um, and, and, and go to work, come back, that, that will give service to what students are looking for now. So that's, that's, that's why we believe it's important. Yeah, I mean, and I love to hear just sort of the, you know, there's certain like words that I, you know, kind of like jump out of just sort of like flexibility. And because I think what you're saying, or, you know, and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, I guess, is sort of a brief follow up here is that like, traditionally, it is where, you know, it's, it's the four year degree or nothing, because that was the only sort of clear, verifiable thing that says like, well, you've learned all the things that it is required to have a degree in computer science or something. But if it is more skills based, you have something that is verifying that, you know, very, you know, with a lot of authority. And if you wanted to kind of just like get started working full time in the career while you maybe still then pursue uh, further skill attainment and credentials and whatever else, you would know what it would take maybe in that kind of like the two degree scale or something, or even just sort of like, I'm just seeing a lot more sort of fusion of people working while they go to school. Obviously, that was like sort of always there and and, and just only becoming more and more the case and almost like not seeing that as like a detriment or a barrier, but like kind of trying to bring those things together where it's like, okay, I'm coming, you know, right out of high school or anything. Maybe I'm a career changer. I want to get involved in a particular field. I can maybe even kind of see the tiers of, okay, if you have these skills, you can kind of get an entry level job. If you get all the way up to like, yeah, four year degree, then you could be here. If you get your master's degree, then you're going to be here. So it's kind of like, but yeah, maybe I can get like a job at Google or something, and maybe they'll start paying for my degree and kind of addressing, you know, the debt questions and, you know, financing, whatever else. So like, do you see that kind of flexibility, I guess, that it sort of starts to kind of, you know, fill in those gaps of like, it's a four year degree or nothing, you can at least maybe kind of start gaining skills and other marketable, you know, experiences to kind of, you know, not have it be, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the first step for that happening is how educational institutions measure, right? Because if they're measuring with, hey, this is a set of courses and a set of credit hours, then you will need a four-year degree or two-year because you need to fulfill a certain amount of credits, certain amount of hours that you're sitting you know, at the course. But if we start looking at skills, maybe it will become truly flexible. Um, the first step is looking at skills. That's the first step. And maybe it's just translating, hey, this course means this is skills. Uh, but into the future, even to your point, I went to Google, I already have some skills. I don't need to go to the full major. Maybe I can go in the, into the third semester directly and, and really start working on those flexible pathways. And maybe it's just, hey, I, I need this skill and this other and have a full marketplace of possible skills that you can develop. And you might think, hey, there are like certain education providers that already work like that you know, all these MOOC providers, et cetera. But I truly believe that the 
university, college experience, going to campus, making connections, living and, and having experiences in labs, etc., it's really valuable. The important thing is how we measure those, put them together, and also that educational institutions start working towards that flexibility. My perspective is that it will not happen like next year, right? Even not in five years, the full flexibility. But the first step towards that is to start a model in which we measure skills and not credit hours. Let's play a game. What keywords does your website rank for? What doesn't it rank for that you think it should? What are a few opportunities you could be winning on if you tweaked some website copy? Okay, how'd you do? Not great? That's okay. Because our friends at DD Agency want to answer all of those questions for you and then some. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copy should be tweaked on website pages, and much more. If this sounds like something you could benefit from, give those folks a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. Head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO or simply follow the link in the show notes below that will guarantee you a 10% discount off of your audit. Again, head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO to learn more. Now, on to the show. Yeah, I mean, I think I just hear a lot of people talking about sort of like, you know, smoother and less steep kind of like on ramps. And it's that sort of idea is like, if we can try to catch as many people as possible, whether they're coming right out of high school, career changers, any of those things and getting them towards more gainful employment, like it doesn't have to be going from like, zero to sort of like, you know, being like the manager and some, you know, big corporation or something like that, it can even just kind of start to be like, I don't know, yeah, just more kind of like incremental, because I think that's always the tragedy of sort of the some college and no degree where it's like some of those people maybe got like 90 90 of the way there but the like marketplace just can't really translate where it's like okay well so what like i don't even know what you know and what you don't know or what skills you have necessarily and those sort of things so yeah it's just refreshing to hear just more flexibility as sort of a buzzword in you know the higher ed ecosystem where traditionally you know these 200 300 year old institutions and things just like you know have always been sort of so rigid and a lot of them you know and i think you do see, just see some of the the trailblazers or at least acknowledging a lot of sort of different dynamics around how they you know what they're teaching how they're teaching it and what sort of the outcomes that they're helping to facilitate and outline more explicitly for students so that it's you know especially for first generation students, like even this, you know, the work that you and your team are doing, is just like, it's helpful just in the like informative sense that they would have so much more of an explicit and clear pathway when they don't know kind of like one thing from another when it comes to higher ed and navigating and everything. So because I think like, yeah, like they do probably have that end goal in mind. And it's just like this huge kind of fog of war getting from here to there. And if they can have it just be much more explicit of like, here are the skills you need and how you get them and sort of, you know, the the waypoints along the way that might be helpful for you to like, you know, maybe you want to get an internship, you want to start working to have that sort of, you know, uh, kind of symbiotic kind of relationship of like, yeah, I'm working, you know, implementing the things I'm learning in the classroom, and that's sort of feeding back in and everything. So yeah, I mean, it's really, really fascinating. And I'm really, yeah, just excited. Like I said, just seeing more and more folks like yourself just really digging in with this and then just seeing that like you're having a lot of success, like this is resonating, like this is sort of like able to be starting to kind of play out and everything. Um, and I'm curious, I guess, there's sort of a different wrinkle to this that since you work on 
a global scale, just sort of like, you know, comparing, contrasting trend lines, like, are you seeing a lot of the same sort of things across the world or very different things, depending on which country or region or anything? Like, just curious how that sort of compares. I'm always sort of like, obviously, so immersed in sort of the US higher education system, not sure how things are kind of playing out elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty similar. Where you start seeing the difference is sometimes on the sources of financing. That's one sort of the difference. So in the U.S., the students get a finance. They, they finance themselves through debt, for example. You have other countries around the world that do it similar. You have countries around the world in which higher ed is almost free, you know. And you will say, well, in that perspective, then why is student is thinking on the return of investment that if it's free, right? But but on the other side is, hey, the return of investment of the government, of the taxpayers, how you start showing that really all that investment is put into higher ed is helping to really create economic development and help those people to advance into their careers. So I will say that the, the problems are pretty, pretty similar. We have seen in other parts of the world, even that they have been made some changes in legislation. So, for example, there is, for example, in Colombia, something that they did is they're starting to send funding to universities, not only based on graduation rates, but also based on employability rates. So they're creating also the right incentives on the higher ed side so that they start focusing on employability and skills. So I think the problems are similar. The ways that the solutions are coming and, and the house are a little bit different in each country. But the end game is the same, how we help people get into jobs. And you will find in, in other cultures that sometimes even higher ed, you know, there are more technical people not going to four-year degrees. An example is Germany or even the Netherlands where, where our friend is, right? There are a lot of people going more to technical degrees, focus on getting jobs. And, and the same way they're starting to look more granular on which are the skills. So I will say that the problems are similar, the house and the ways to solve it are a little bit different. But in our perspective and, and the way we're, we're trying to solve for it in a global scale, for us is more creating the data infrastructure, how we create that data infrastructure that in the past was the courses grades and great hours, you will see that all over the world, how we start transforming that more in, hey, these are the skills. And hey, these are the possible occupations and the possible jobs. And a lot is, has been done around that. You know, I think we we have been talking about skills-based education for the last 30 years, you know, and then I, I have an advisor that worked at some ministries of education in several parts of the world until we told me like, hey, Guillermo, you're not doing something new. We were talking about this in the 90s. And, and the truth is, what she tells me is like, well, the thing that you're doing new is that you're helping to create infrastructure so that it can work. So that's, that's really how we are attacking the problem globally. Yeah, yeah, it's always yeah, interesting when there's like sort of a lot of similarities. And it's just like, you know, kind of. I, don't know, I guess beyond beyond maybe this conversation of being like, why is that the case? Like, why is there so many similarities, you know, across higher ed systems? But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of refreshing in the sense too of like that, like you said, like you're you're tackling this sort of theory or idea that people have had for a long time and finally helping to actualize it. So there's like a lot of appetite for it. It's just a 
mechanism that is a, has been in sore need of a improvement and update, you know, for a very long time. So I'm glad to see that it is, you know, kind of clicking in and happening. And because I think just like sometimes it is just like there's so much ingrained kind of inertia that people are like, oh, no, you know, it's always been this way and everything and just starting to see you know, change like this is just inspiring generally that like even a system like higher ed as slow as it goes sometimes that it can uh, start to kind of reform itself and update and just align more with what, you know, kind of society is asking and expecting of it. So as we wind down, though, you know, all of this sort of talk, you know, kind of looking towards the future, you know, the work that you're doing to kind of actualize the future and sort of uh, do all that, like, you know, this is tough work and trying to like, you know, land the plane here on a more optimistic note and everything. Like what excites you about the future of higher ed in your work? Because I mean, it's still just sort of, you know, dismantling these very old and at times maybe even oppressive systems of, you know, how we capture learning and, you know, all that. So what excites you about the future of higher ed and your, and your work right now? Yeah. So <laughs> going back a little bit, I, I will say that what excites me is that there is, we're in the right moment in which universities, um, colleges are looking at, hey, my purpose is to show this return of investment in education, is to help students get jobs. Um, I think that what excites me is that we're looking, going back to our conversation, we're looking into a pathway of flexibility, right? I think that the next 10 to 15 years, we will see a huge transformation in higher ed, a huge one. And what really excites me is there will be flexible pathways. There will be several types of learning experiences, people coming in and out. We see it in the U.S. as universities are losing enrollments. They are trying to find ways to bring back all those students that didn't finish their, their degree and recognize them with PLA, their, you know, all their skills and their previous learning. And we're in that moment in time. And, and what excites me is that huge transformation that will happen. We're also seeing public policy that has been launched around the world, creating the right incentives towards that connection into the workforce. And if we add also you know, what's happening around this AI revolution, that's something that I, I really think that, that together what was happening around the world plus the AI revolution, we will see a big transformation in higher ed. Yeah, and I think just it's kind of interesting because I, I always wonder, like, I guess it's like kind of a yes and no kind of thing. If people like, you know, we're living, I feel like, through a very pivotal moment. And if people know at the time when those sort of things happen, and I think it's like, yeah, maybe a little bit, you know, like we kind of know that like AI is going to reshape things. We don't know exactly what, you know, things are going to look like. We can kind of start to kind of perceive it's, you know, a little less blurry maybe now than it was, uh, you know, uh, a year or so ago, but yeah, but it is, it is wild to know that like, yeah, AI is going to change, you know, a lot of things in society and definitely education, but you know, I think it's, it's up to us to sort of help navigate and sort of thread the needle of like, you know, having it be you know, impactful, positive changes that all these new tools and things uh, are achieving for us. So, you know, I feel like this, you know, very kind of, you know, unique conversation, I guess, exploring sort of specifically the work that you're doing, the uh, success that you're having and sort of how all these different factors are playing in. So 
I'm sure you could list, you know, no shortage of resources and things, whether it's your own or others that are uh, capturing your attention on this topic right now. But yeah, anything that you'd want to reference people to, any resources that we can direct the audience to? Yeah, I, I think, and I, I will send you the link. There are several resources and around skills hiring that I recommend from HBR, um, for, from Harvard's Business Review, that I have been reading about them. Maybe I will, I will send you the link after the after the podcast so that you can share it with the audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, they, they do great work. I'm sure anybody, you know, they're kind of a household name. And I think just like, it's always like nice too when you see like big publications out there that are sort of like, you know, uh, catching on to the trends that maybe some of us have been really deep into for a while. So yeah, it'd be great to, to share that out with folks. Yeah, I mean, we'll have our kind of final question. We like to ask folks if you have a a final thought or call to action on this topic to end the episode, wrap everything up, you know, your parting words here. So the floor is yours. Yeah. So I think that a call to action to the higher ed community um, will be for them to start thinking how they start mapping the skills from the courses and from the learning experiences that they have on campus. And think about it, not just about the academic side, but think about this, about all the experience, the sports, the clubs, the internships, everything that's happening in campus that is very rich for the students. How we translate all that and, and put that into a skills profile that will help students. That, that will be my call to action. Yeah, I mean, it's just the idea. Yeah, like you're saying, kind of putting it simply, like a very clear call to action of like, you got to interface with this. You got to sit down and think about it because I think, you know, they might be, you know, institutional leaders might be kind of resting on their laurels or thinking like, you know, they're going to maybe almost like wait for it to be mandated upon them or something. But it's like probably going to be too late. Like now is really the opportune time to yeah think about how you are or aren't capturing all those experiences that students are having and then, you know, how you can sort of keep moving forward on that because I think there's you know, one, just literally like trying to capture it, but then it's like, you know, continuous improvement, making it more user-friendly or just sort of, you know, more reflective of all the things that students are doing or kind of want, you know, want it to capture anything. So yeah, you kind of have to do that kind of groundwork to start of sort of seeing where, where you stand now, where you need to go, how are you going to get there and start somewhere, you know, start doing that work now because yeah, I mean, we're just seeing a lot of, you know, for better or worse, kind of, you know, winners and losers shaking out in higher ed right now is sort of the, you know, kind of protective shell of the pandemic and the extra funding and different things. And just sort of, you know, uh, we're kind of shorting out on this, uh, you know, brave, you know, new, brave new world that is sort of before us. And like, there's, there's so many things that I think are going to be, you know, kind of the new normal that, like you said, we're almost like theoretical or sort of like, wouldn't it be cool, you know, how we're sort of getting these like certified learner records and everything that you, you know, you're working on. So yeah, just appreciate you so much for for hanging out, sharing all that you did and doing the, the good work that you and your team are doing. And yeah, we'll have ways to connect with you and uh, the resources that you mentioned and everything. So yeah, just thank you so much for your time. Yeah, th- thank you, Dustin. And I-, I was thinking other resources where you were speaking. So I will also recommend you and the audience to go to one at that, that they are building all the records and all the standards around the records. There's also a great initiative from the Department of Commerce, this called T3 Initiative, that is connecting the job market. Right now, my team is in DC on that, and, and I really recommend looking at their work and how they are working from the other side, from the employer side, and how employers will read all these skills profiles and learning employment records. So, 
sorry for adding a little bit more, but I think it's it's very important. Those those two organizations are working a lot around this concept. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Always love having lots of uh, you know homework and resources for folks uh, folks to check out. So I uh, appreciate you uh, slipping those in right at the end here, so we can make sure to give them uh, you know the kind of their due diligence and everything. But uh, yeah, thank you again so much, uh, Guillermo, for your time. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.